0: And now, a Breakthrough Basketball Original Podcast, The Jim Huber Show.
1: After basketball, his dream is to become a rodeo clown.
0: Jim Huber. Hey, everybody. Oh, it is hard work being this good. I was
1: like,
0: ow. Oh. Hi, it's Coach Troy with Breakthrough Basketball. You know, it's March, it's March Madness. Uh, we always think of Jimmy V and the Jimmy V Foundation. Go to jimmyv.org, make a donation find a cure for cancer. I was 16 years old. I heard the Reverend Bob Richards speak. Remember him, the Wheaties guy? I was 16. Bob Richards looked over a group of these young kids at a basketball camp and said, the Lord must have loved ordinary people because he made so many of us. And then he said the line that changed my
2: life at 16
0: that I felt then. I'm 41 years old, I've been working 21 years in my business, and I feel it the same way today. He said, every single day, in every walk of life, ordinary people do extraordinary things. Ordinary people accomplish extraordinary things. And I raised my hand, I'm applying for the job right now. I'm an ordinary guy, I want to do extraordinary things in my life. And I believe, and I think that's strong. I think that's what it's all about. Today on the Jim Huber Show, a friend of ours, TJ, Todd Johnson, uh, he's a coach with Mocan, uh, works here in Kansas City, helping at-risk youth find um, character, love, appreciation, work ethic on the court with Mocan Basketball. A couple of years ago TJ came into the gym and he's a he's a shock of smart on the sidelines man. He is energy personified and we noticed that he wasn't moving the same and pretty soon he had problems with his hands and his feet and the diagnosis was cancer. Uh rare form called Poem syndrome. And the way TJ has fought has become a movement a no zero days, hashtag no zero days movement that is now affecting thousands of people. So we thought we'd get him in the studio and talk about the lessons that cancer has taught him and he has been able to pass on to his players about not being soft, about grinding things out. No zero days. Uh, So we began with uh, Jimmy and TJ reminiscing about their early
1: playing days together as kids. Uh, yeah, about 13, 14, 14 years old. Somewhere around then, I'm, I get my butt kicked by TJ. and So instead of uh, being upset about it, I just decided to become his friend. <laughs> right, TJ?
2: Yep, St. Joe Shawnee, that yeah. wonderful gym over there. I used to like beating up them Catholic boys every now <laughs> <down> and then. <laughs> Can I say that?
1: T.J. was a, was living in the country, but was a city boy. <laughs> in the country, what he was. He had a city game. He could do a little shake and bake, um, you know, do a little cross, pull up jumper, could hit the three, take it to the basket. T.J. knew he was pretty good, too. He'd let you know a little bit. So it was fun playing against them. They had a good team, but he was kind of the main main guy. And uh, he brought it every day. He had a competitive spirit, and uh, you like playing against those type of individuals. And, it was fun to play him because it was a good team, and he's a really good player as well.
2: Let's talk about toughness. Um, talk about your struggle. I have a bunch of hashtags that I use, uh, and you know, you guys were there when I was, you know, first diagnosed with you know this rare form of cancer uh, called POEM syndrome. That was at the time where I kind of had to remove myself from our Mocan basketball organization just because of my health. This battle that I'm on right now and, and continuing has been oh, the most adverse thing I've ever went through in my life. I'd never wish it on anyone. I can imagine this spring and summer, the 14 and 15 group that I'm going to work with, will probably get tired of hearing me say that, we're losing toughness somewhere, just in general, with kids and youth. There's Somehow we're losing toughness. And for me right now, I, I there's nothing better I like more than to see kids put in a situation that's adverse, and for them to find that internal toughness to get out of it. Because I live it every day. Uh, You know, A good example today, it's cold. I'm having to put air in my tire. My hands can't squeeze the little thing very well. I'm having to figure it out, and it's 30 degrees. My hands are freezing, which means they're going to cramp up and sometimes get in a position I can't get them out of. And then when I leave, I go get my coffee, and I can't even reach my hand out to grab the coffee, so we drop it. You know, little things like that continuing to test my mental toughness. And everyone thinks physical toughness is what we talk about in basketball and in sports or even in life. And I tell everybody that this situation I'm in has just made me a better man.
1: You come back from Mexico, coaching there, and you're, norm- you're you know totally healthy working with kids in the gym, working out, doing what you do, and then I remember, you know, like talking to you one day, and I was looking, and and you couldn't barely move. I mean, it's like your your arms, your legs, and different things. I'm like, what the heck?
2: And it just came on like that. It came on so quick. Right. And the crazy thing is, is maybe because of being always a healthy person, you know, Running up and down the sideline, losing weight because I'm sweating in these hot gyms. You know, I'm a coach hard. I mean, I'm a shock of smart. I'm Tom Crean. I'm up and down the sideline, sweating the whole time. And for that to just kind of stop, and then you, and the, the, you know, the thing that I tell everybody is when it got to it to where every day, every week, a different part of my body wasn't working. You know, and you know. When you can't go to the bathroom, when it gets to the point where you're like, hey, it's shutting down your ability to go to the bathroom, you're scared because that may get into your organs. And then you're like, okay, forget my hands and feet at this point. Are or my organs going to work? And, you know, luckily for me, and there's some people that have what I have, that uh, it's taken a long time for them to get diagnosed and misdiagnosed, et cetera. Uh, I was lucky enough to have a very good neurologist, told me what I had. And since June of 2014, you know, year and a half, I guess now, all coming up on two years, I've been in this battle, you know, wheelchair, you know, chemo pill, radiation, uh, stem cell transplant, you know, in therapy, learning to stand again in water, learning to stand again in general, the pain that I was in from the, the symptoms that I had in my feet, you know, I tell people take the best material you could ever find, like, like sheep's wool or something like that, and lamb's wool, and rub it over your toes, and you'll be like, "Oh, that feels good." At one time, that felt like razor blades to me, so I didn't want anything on my feet, and that's still mentally a block for me—the the sensation that I have uh, now. But you know, I'm I'm pain free now. I don't take any more painkillers. I'm trying to. You know, get off of all that stuff and just kind of get back to who I am. Um, and
1: How did you deal with all the unknowns, though? I mean, you talk about emotionally being strong and getting through it. What recommendations can you give to people that are going through, like, a lot of unknowns in their
2: life? Get a tight circle of people that you trust. I've always been everybody's buddy and always wanted everybody to like me. But if people aren't on the path for you to become successful, and in my case, it was my health, uh, then I don't need to be involved with those people. And I've probably lost some friends uh, because of it. And you really learn who's who's in your corner, if we want to Use an analogy with boxing. You know who's in your corner. You know who's on your team. You know, some people might say, you know who's going to be on your bus and who's not. I've always told this to my teams, and this is how I approached it with my health, you know, with the unknowns, and regardless of what it was, how'd I dealt with it? I educated myself. I advocated for myself. I fought for myself, but I also had a group of people, my team with me to get advice, to gain knowledge.
1: Did you have a kind of a focus for yourself to be like, okay, I'm waking up today and I'm focusing on today?
2: You know, I had a kid that I'm really close with. I played baseball in Osho County back when I was coaching there with Coach Milliron, with Dave, uh, Andy Devitt. Andy had a cancer and had fought through cancer and and he kind of gave me a message and just said "Win every day I took that to heart Win every day you know and no zero days you know I used to say I hate wasted plays in basketball so I hate wasted days in basketball which turned into no zero days and I think every day I was like all right today I want to do everything possible in my power and sometimes that was just resting Uh, but everything possible in my power to reach my ultimate goal, which right now is to shoot a friggin' free throw again, you know, to be able to just go and have some serenity and shoot a free throw, which I think i do better than Steph Curry. I don't care. I'll go toe-to-toe with him right now. I will, and that's the way I feel. And I want to get back to being able to do that because even before I got sick, if I had some problems, I'd always get a ball and go to the gym and shoot. I'd feel a lot better afterwards because it's something I can do better than most people. So that's always my ultimate goal, whether it's you know, getting back on the sideline, having my own program, you know, get, you know, shooting a three-pointer you know, with ease. You know, that's what I want to be able to do. Uh, and so every day I wake up and say, okay, what do I have to do today to ultimately reach that goal? What are you doing at the end of the day? Can you look at yourself and say, I did everything in my power to reach my goal? And, you know, and I still find myself, oh, yeah, no, I didn't do that. No, I didn't do that. And everyone's going to do that. It's hard to not lie to yourself every single day. Because you're going to say you're going to do something, and you're not going to do it. That's life. It's human nature. So if you could go back
1: and look at TJ in the eyes at 13 years old, and what you've been through, what else would you tell TJ? If
2: I could go look that kid, that skinny, arrogant, (laughs) cocky kid in his eyes, you know, maybe be a little more humble. Don't take these little bitty things for granted. Make sure you're – and I'm going to use the word leadership. I've always been a good leader, you know, a captain, you know. Always positive part of the team. But I, I, like I told, you know, my Hall of Fame college coach, Coach Lamar, I was a great on-the-court teammate, and I think I was a bad off-the-court teammate. Uh, you know, I didn't do all the right things, you know, academically. I didn't do all the right things, take care of my body. Again, I'm in college, and I never lifted weights. Now, I was fairly athletic, for you know, for for my time, Um And I know now, man, if I would have lifted weights, man, I would have been really athletic. I could have played through all that contact. I could have done this. If I would have approached my academics in a better way and not used excuses all the time. You know, I mean, I'm a mama's boy. Love you, mom. I'm a mama's boy. She was always there. So it's part of being a coach's son. Moms are always there for you. Uh, You know, it would have been to me just to say, man, you need to... You might be tough and scrappy and play hard and all this, but I, I don't think I was mentally as tough as people thought I was back in the day. And I would look that kid in the eye and just say, "Hey, man, don't take these little things for granted ever again,
1: ever again." But going back to what you said too, I think it's so important that parents, because i was I was mama's boy too. Mm-hmm. Okay, I remember, and I, I love my mom. Uh, she's unbelievable, and but I was enabled. I mean, I could go to my mom, and I could ask her stuff, and she'd get me out of stuff or whatever it was, right? I always had a way to get myself out of a difficult situation. And we all know this. When you get into real life, that doesn't happen. Mama's not there anymore to sit there and do that for you. So, I mean, I I strongly recommend, like, parents out there to not enable your children. At young ages, make them do things that they're capable of doing on
2: their own. And if they're not getting it done the way they need to – then don't bail them out. Not only do we have some mama's boys out there, we have some daddy's boys, mm-hmm. and sometimes that's even worse. You know, we have a lot of the parents out there that you know want little Johnny and little Susie to do something maybe they didn't do. It's like living through
1: their children. It's like quit living through your children. Well, yeah, right. I was you know? trying
2: to be a little more politically correct and saying that. Okay, you know? well, but yeah, I'm yeah, sorry about, about that, TJ.
1: You haven't taught me that.
2: I, they're I living. You're... They're living through. Well, I'm not real good at it either. They're living through their kids and and. I get it. I don't have children, but the one kid that I do have that's, you know, the kid I was a legal guardian of that lived with me when I was going through this, luckily for me, you know, I want him to be the greatest basketball player ever because, you know, this young man took care of me, Isaiah. And But I've also told myself, well, I'm not going to, hey, he wants to go. I don't care about basketball with this young man. Hey, I just want you to go be a successful person. And I've been around some really good friends of mine that have been very successful sports figures. And when I see them not freaking out because their kid's not so good at basketball, really means a lot to me. You know, you're a great dad. Don't, don't be over the top with it. And uh, in today's youth, we have to really learn how to approach kids in a different way. You've got to really be a chameleon in your motivational and 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 tactics. Keep your core values of what your programs and what you stand for as far as characteristics, but you be able to reach kids in a different way, you know. And and what what
1: are some of the ways that you feel like that coaches could could reach kids? Gain their trust.
2: Ask them a question. How's everything going at home? How's your relationship with your father? How's mom doing? You know, get them engaged in their life so that you can. You know, I, I was fortunate enough to have to be able to be an ISS teacher while I was coaching with Mocan, and and I say fortunate because, you know, I'm at a 67% Hispanic high school, probably 20% African American, and, and and you know the rest. You know, throwing a few different social classes, races. And, you know, I just came from Mexico, so, you know, I could speak bad enough Spanish to know what they were saying about me. But being able to just ask them some questions, hey, you're, you're coming in. And it taught what, what it taught me, sometimes kids are upset. And it's not necessarily what happened just now. It's what led up to now. So what can we uncover about this kid to now? So if I can bring myself to your level and learn a little bit more about you and where you came from and what's going on in your life, then I can motivate you. As you know, Jim, you know, we are working with a lot of these youth, and, uh, you know, some kids might not be eating. Some kids, yeah. you know, I mean, it's just they might not be. And that's the real problem. You know, some of these kids might have some – behavioral disorder we don't know about. You know, I mean, I think every kid now kind of snaps back at you just because that's the way it is. But let's find out why. And I don't care if you live in the suburbs or you live in the inner city. Everybody has some type of problem. And now I'm just a little bit more, you know, I guess, have a little bit more empathy for all of it. But basically, especially since my battles, hey, what is going on with you? And, and all right, now let's toughen up and let's fight through it.
1: Once they have that trust in you, then you can be even more demanding on there. And if they know you want the best for them, you know, the expectations you have for them is having them be at their best, raising their standards, then they're probably going to be more willing to accept that as well.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I'll bring this up. You know, two weeks ago, whew, it's going to be hard. <laughs> two weeks ago, kid, I'm real close with. I'm very close with. I mean, Jair Strong. And say his name. He, you know, rest in peace, Jair. Uh, was very close with this young man. He has a good family. Does, you know, has a good family at home, good home life. Just kind of got in the wrong crowd, so to speak. And I hadn't been as involved with him, uh, which hurts. But I didn't know either. I didn't know that there were, you know, there was a path that he was going down that maybe wasn't the best. And ultimately, the people and the company that he kept uh, ended his life at the age of 15. And maybe I wasn't asking him all the right questions. Because what it really taught me was, you know, hey, I got to ask more questions. I got to stay involved with... The the kids more. I got to engage myself with them more. And it's hard. It's hard when you're dealing with so many kids that we deal with, Um, especially now that I've been motivational speaking, all these kids following me on social media to the point that, you know, you want to try to create something or build something to where there is an outlet for them to always reach out to you. What kind of questions would
1: you have asked him maybe differently? Would you have asked him about who's associating with? Yeah. Because, um, that you know, they talk about association brings upon assimilation. Who you hang around with is who you become. So would it be questions like that that you'd dive into to find out?
2: Definitely. And and I heard this through a good friend of mine, you know, Al Skeens, and he's with the Power Group. Um, he has these guys come in from prison, and they speak to his organization. I He, he said something to me uh, on the cusp of what happened uh, because he had coached Jair as well. And he said, you know, these guys come in and they said, there's two things I could change about my life. And these guys are on death, you know, basically in life for, you know, for they're in prison for life. It would be, I could change my playground and my playmates. And I think that's the greatest way to put it. I think it's really good. I I hope I'm not plagiarizing someone by saying that. Uh, But yeah, you got to be careful of the company you keep. I know that from my own self. I know that from my own history, from my own life. Be careful of the company you keep, you know, I mean, but kids at that young age, they don't really realize well, that, and that's where we talk I mean, that's, about that's leadership. That becomes a problem, you know. And and I feel bad at myself because I really, you know, I mean, this kid spent a lot of time with me in my home and with Isaiah, and and you know, you know, obviously we all know how much time we spend with these kids, you know, going to practice, picking them up, going traveling across country, staying at your homes, um, and so you know, they're like your your kids, or you're like your, their uncle, and. The one thing, you know, you wish you could just say is, what are you doing? I mean, we know what's right and wrong. That wrong path's really easy. It's kind of like me coming back from my health. It'd be easy to shut it down. Yeah. You know, I mean.
1: Give up and lay around, not do anything.
2: And, and, you know, with my situation, the reality is, is I know over time, you know, time's going to be in my favor to get healthy. But if I want to get healthier faster... I'm going to put in some work. I think it's the same thing with the kids. You know, right and wrong. Wrong's easier. You know, and being a leader, being able to, and being a leader doesn't mean having to take a group of people with you. somewhere. well, that's,
1: you mentioned right. you mentioned being a leader a couple right. of times right. throughout right. the show. So, what is a leader? How do you define it? How, what do you tell? I kids think leading need to yourself. Do? I mean, we're talking about
2: leading yourself. Leading yourself away from danger or a dangerous situation. I think the really good kids, especially the ones that, you know, are, are coming out of the, some, some environments in the inner city that are, are difficult, okay? And they're already behind the eight ball, so to speak. The kids that can stay away from the, the, the crap, the kids that can stay away from the social negative lifestyle and remove themselves from it you know they, they come out of the city and they're they're successful because of it the kids that get caught up in the following and when i say following like well okay and we'll let's just use young you know teenage men you know as an example and even young women they're getting into some things now that are scary yeah, you know, they're doing things that, you know, you and I, when we met, we weren't doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because things are in front of them a little easier, you know. And so for them to be able to say, hey, I'm not going to go with that group, even though they might make fun of me, even though they might say to them, you know, might not want me in their crowd anymore. Those are the things that I'm talking about that I think if you can lead yourself away from danger and be your own leader, other people will follow you. Other kids will follow you out of that if they're the people that you want on your team.
1: It's kind of interesting you say that because I was reading an article about a year ago. They talk about at West Point is they do not allow the cadets to lead anyone else. The first year they have to lead themselves. Once they can lead themselves and they show they can do that, Then they'll give them, like, maybe three individuals that they can be a leader of. And then once they master that, then they can increase the numbers. But it it goes back to, like, leading yourself.
2: I think so. And I think it's just kind of like, you know, people always say, you know, you can't love anyone else until you love yourself, you know, fully. Yeah, I'm a good example of that. I don't think I ever truly accepted myself until this happened to me. Jim, here's where I really learned. I've just had this crazy battle, year and a half, two years. I can't go out there and talk this talk and not walk the walk, you know. And I've been good at talking noise in my life, you know, I've always been that player. Uh, And, but now, you know, you gotta walk the walk and, you know, ironically for me, it went from wheelchair to walking, so it kind of made sense. I could talk about walking all I wanted to, I still had to walk. And that's what it is now. No Zero Days, you know, for me, and, and I didn't realize the people that it's reached. I was walking somewhere, and a lady came up to me, and she said, You're the No Zero Days guy. Yeah, my son follows you on social media, and I follow you on social media. And I was like, Oh, well, thank you. She said, Oh, you're so inspirational. That's and at cool. that point, it clicked to me, and it just said, Oh, man. What would mm-hmm. you get yourself into now, TJ? Like, Wow. And my dad doesn't follow social media too much. I mean, he might look at my mom's Facebook every now and then. But, you know, being a coach's son and seeing what your old man does for you uh, now, today, how, you know, I can only imagine what it'd be like when you have an athletic, charismatic, arrogant, confident son, the way he presents himself, you know, to people and then for this to happen, kind of what it did to my dad and my mother. And, and, even, and I lived with my sister, so I know what it did mm-hmm. with her. So now I want it to be bigger. I want it to reach more people.
1: So is that like no zero days on Facebook or how do they find you on Facebook?
2: I mean, you can hashtag no zero days and the zero, the O in zero is actually a zero. So, uh, but you can just hashtag no zero days, just Google that.
1: Well, how do they book you as a speaker, say, coming in, speaking to schools, you know, organizations?
2: Um, You can reach me at Coach TJ Johnson, and I'm at Gmail. You can go Coach TJ Johnson on Instagram and Twitter, and then it's Facebook, it's TJ Johnson. But if you just hashtag NoZeroDays and put it into Google, you'll find everything about me. I've got YouTube videos, Coach TJ Johnson on YouTube, you know, I've spoken to a lot of the schools, uh, some Division One schools, a lot of the Division Two schools, a lot of the local youth organizations. I always say when I speak, hey, cancer, check ball, let's play. The gym